0: Well, good morning. It's good to uh, see all of you here and have you here. And uh, as uh, Ryan and Becky were kind of sharing about like just what's been going on around here, kind of related to uh, Better Together and how we're trying to live out that theme. Uh, I, I want to talk about that some more because, you know, the theme becomes really important for just giving us focus as we uh, move forward. And there's this thing that always happens, right? You get like halfway through the ministry season, you get past the holidays and the beginning of the year, and, and it can be easy to kind of just lose a little bit of energy or focus uh, on what that theme is. And so I really wanna just recenter us on that theme because that theme is so important to give us direction and kind of something really tangible for how to live out our calling and our values Uh, as a church. And to do that, to get at that uh, here this morning, as we kind of recenter on this, um, I want to get at that by uh, looking at some of the travel patterns of Jesus. And you're probably going, ooh, that's exciting, right? (laughs) Okay. But here's what you're going to see right Uh, there's something really cool about looking at the travel patterns of jesus because something begins to come out in this you begin to see his heart in a few things uh there's some things that you begin to realize that when it comes to this idea of better together what jesus is after is not just this tight-knit group like we might think uh, in some ways there's like something different that begins uh, to come out of this. So I've got this map up here that we're, we're gonna use to kind of look at his uh, travel patterns in this. And one of the things uh, that I, I wanna just start off with is this idea that when he begins his ministry, you know, the thing that we would assume is that everything would be centered like right here around Jerusalem, right? Because that was the center of religious influence that was the center of religious power this is where the movers and the shakers were and you would think that it's just like okay if he's gonna launch this new movement um, about following God and like he's the Messiah coming I mean, over like it's like it's just gonna be dominated it just like right in here um, but you see something different begin to come out of this so Um, If you recall, Jesus grew up in the area of Galilee up here, and there's a river you can barely see, but I'm going to draw it in here. This is the Jordan River that connects the Sea of Galilee with the Dead Sea, and I want to start with where Jesus begins his ministry, because he begins his ministry, uh, most scholars think, probably somewhere around here, just on the east side of the Jordan, and so where does he go when he begins his ministry? Does he head, like, straight into Jerusalem, or does he do something different? And... Uh, we begin to get this picture right from the beginning of like what Jesus is about and what's going on here. In fact, if you have your Bibles, um, flip with me to a Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be. Moving through quite a few different uh, passages of of Scripture here. There'll be a few that I read. You may not have time to turn to them or whatever, but we'll put them on the screen here. Um, It says uh, this, and this is right after he's baptized, he's beginning his ministry, he's gathered up his disciples here, and it says this. They, he and his disciples, went to Capernaum, and uh, when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. So this is the first time he really starts uh, teaching. But what it says is he goes up to Capernaum. And this is kind of interesting because, so here's kind of where he, he starts. And to go to Capernaum would be, excuse me, is way up here in Galilee. So he's, he travels up this side of the Jordan. And we find this from some other passages of scripture. He crosses over up here and would come up to Capernaum. Up here and we also know that he ministered in a number of other different little cities and and areas over there but here's what you have to know and this is why this uh, becomes important Uh, this whole region is Galilee when it says that he goes up to Capernaum he's in Galilee Um, and in the same way you might think of all the people in Jerusalem like when they are this they're the top of the of the spiritual group they're like spiritual tens right but the folks in Jerusalem would look at the people in Galilee in particular, right? Share the same religion, same customs, all of these things. They, they belong together, but they'd go, but that's kind of like where the spiritual zeros are, right? They're not the influential ones. They're not the movers and shakers. They're not like, like that's not where you go to launch a ministry. That's that, like, they don't have anything to offer you in this thing. But Jesus goes up there, and that's where he starts. He goes up to this group, begins uh, ministering to them. In this same passage, when he goes up there, look back at uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, drop down to verse 40, uh, and you see what, uh, what he does here. And, and let me say this, too. Let me make this point, because there's a takeaway that we have just looking at the fact that he goes into this area of Galilee, and it's this. Jesus loves people regardless of what they have to offer him. He does. They, they don't have much to offer him in launching this ministry, but he loves them anyhow. And here's this beautiful example of this in verse 40. Look at what it says. A man with leprosy came to him, right? This is a man that would have been an outcast. They would have said, oh, you've got leprosy because dot, 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 you know, you sinned or God didn't favor you or whatever it would be. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. So just like picture this moment, right? There's this guy and he's been struggling with, this would have been awful. It it is a miserable, long way to die. And on top of that, you face all of this social rejection in this thing. And in this moment, Jesus sees him, has compassion, heals. Like, can you imagine where this guy is in this moment? Like, this is a good moment. He's gotta be excited. He's gotta be like in love with Jesus in this moment because of what Jesus is doing. And then Jesus' response is really interesting. Look at verse uh, 43. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. Isn't that weird? Like he heals this guy. There, and This strong warning. Here's, and, and here's the warning. See that you don't tell this um, to anyone. And he's referring to the area of Galilee. And it's just like, Straight. And there's this thing called the messianic secret uh, in, in scripture. And we, I don't have time uh, to go into it right now. But needless to say, there's this moment where, you know, it's like Jesus like, okay, you got eyes on me? You listening? I know you're all excited right now. But pay attention. I don't want you to go tell everybody around here. I've got my reasons. Don't worry about it. But here's what I want you to do. Look at the next verse. Here's what he tells them uh, to do but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing, and here's why, as a testimony to them. In other words, um, and this probably meant that this guy would end up having to travel back down around and over to Jerusalem or somewhere over here where there'd be a priest, uh, and, and I want what I've done for you to be this kind of testimony to them. And you can just see this guy like, okay, Okay, oh that's a great idea. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, I got you. And he's like, okay, you got it? Yes, I got it, I got it. Next verse. Verse 45. Instead, he went out and began talking freely, spreading the news. (laughs) I just love that. It's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Guess what? But he just can't keep his mouth shut, right? Because it's such a good moment. I don't think I'd be able to keep my mouth shut, right? It's just like, but it's like, there's just this beautiful thing where Jesus is like, yeah, like uh, just, and actually because this guy sp- uh, spread all of this, like there are all these crowds and Jesus is having a hard time moving around and stuff. And it's just, but it's, but Jesus goes out of his way to launch his ministry to this group of people that everyone around here, right? Would be going like, what, what, what are you doing that for, right? Like, this is where it's at, but not Jesus. Right? Because, like, he didn't do this because of what he would get out of it from other people and the way we would think of that. He just cares about them in this. Um, what we learn uh, later is he heads off to a- another place. Look with me. Uh, flip over to John 2 uh, real quick, if you have a, a second. I'm not going to read all the passages here, but I want you to just see this. Uh, verse 13, it says this. Uh, when it was almost time for the jewish passover jesus went up to jerusalem so he's actually still in this area uh, up here and it says that he goes up to jerusalem and that's because of how jerusalem was thought of right so in scripture like like because of all that jerusalem holds It doesn't matter if you're traveling south or east or west or north you always go up to jerusalem it doesn't matter if you're coming from a higher place like if you're coming in out of the north from a hot air balloon you're still going up to jerusalem is why he says that and uh the path that he would have taken is he would have come all the way down here across the jordan went over here and then probably would have come from over here uh to uh, jerusalem uh, like this and so you see this and it's like okay. Finally, he's going to Jerusalem. This is like, he took care of that stuff up there and now he gets to Jerusalem and now he's gonna work with like the influencers and, you know, uh, like bring in everything and get everything ready. And he's gonna launch it because these are the people that can, can make all of this happen. He gets down there. And the first thing he does is he goes to the temple and he begins kicking over tables and chairs and just like making a ruckus uh, of the place. And it's like, you know, great way to start off, right? The people that we would all think you need most, like you're not making friends here on this thing. But we know from the story that part of why he's doing this, he's, he steps into a very specific place. It's called the court of the Gentiles. And we know this from a, a couple of different places in the gospels, the court of the Gentiles It was the one place in the temple where anyone who wasn't Jewish could come and be a part of it. It was their place that had this kind of message that that in this Jewish faith about the one true God, there's space for you. Even if uh, you you seem to not belong because of your heritage or whatever reason, right? Jesus sees them crowding people out in this. And this is the thing that makes them distraught. This is why he's turning over tables. It's like they had the space, like this is the, the, the welcome space and they've turned it into the just for us space, right? Or like, what would it be like if next Sunday you showed up for church and you drive into the parking lot and you park and you get out of your car and you start walking into church and you look up and we've replaced the sign uh, that uh, says welcome with the sign that says, go away. You'd be like, ooh, that <laughs> that's kind of like what was happening with this, right? And, and here's the takeaway on this, what, what you see with this. Jesus includes people that religion leaves out, right? There have been all these people that all the religious leaders in here, like they've got their space, they've got their thing going, and they would just kind of leave those people out. And Jesus is like, no, the, the people that religion leaves out because religion has a way of crowding people out, doesn't it? And Jesus is like, no, that's, that's the kind of person I'm looking for. That's the kind of person I want to make space for. So uh, after this, we know that Jesus uh, heads back up into the, uh, uh, the northern region. And this time, uh, he comes up and he's uh, back up here in this area of Capernaum. And, the, and Scripture tells us that he crosses the lake here and goes into this area Uh, that we call Decapolis, Decapolis. And what you have to know about Decapolis is it is a very Greek kind of area. In fact, the word Decapolis is Greek. Uh, uh, Polis is the Greek word for Greek. And so it just means 10 cities in Greek. Uh, And Jesus uh, goes into this area and uh, begins ministering. In fact, the first thing he does is he ministers to this one uh, man, but you need to know Everything about the Greeks was so different than anything that the Jews would have known or understand. Like, they, uh, like the religious leaders in Jerusalem might have said of the people in Galilee, well, like they're like they're spiritual ones and twos, right? They would have looked at the people in Decapolis and went, yeah, they're like spiritual negative tens, like they're on another planet when it comes to. Anything we understand, uh, some examples of this, so like for the Greeks the, to the Greeks, the human body, the human form, they were just fascinated with, it. they loved it, right you From an archaeological standpoint you can't dig up a greek plate or a coffee mug right and not have all these pictures of people around it the human they didn't want to drink coffee without looking at the human form before they took that first drink of coffee right in the morning they uh, were so well known for all the statues that they carved and what did they mostly carve their statues of Human figures, like you couldn't go register your chariot at the Greek DMV and not trip over like a few statues that they had around. They were everywhere. The Jews on the other hand, they weren't carving statues and they sure weren't carving statues of people, right? Because that's like a graven image, right? The closest thing you get is like uh, in the days of Solomon when they're building this beautiful ornate temple to God, right? they had artisans and crafters and the carvings they did were of like pomegranates, right? And the the Greeks would be like, pomegranates, right? You need to carve people, you know? they're just so different in how they see it. Uh, the Greeks loved the human form so much. Uh, you see it like in sports. So the Olympics, right? Uh, uh, the Olympics for the Greeks, you were not allowed to participate as an athlete in the Olympics unless you were completely nude in whatever sport you were participating. Yeah, all the athletes were in the nude. Cause for the Greeks, it's just like, well, these are the best-looking, best-fit people we have. Of course, we want them nude while they're participating in their games, right? Now, the drawback was it took about 3,000 years to get the winter games, because you know, <laughs> the downhill slalom in the nude is pretty rough, right? That and the bobsled would be, you know, just they weren't into that, okay? Um, uh, and you know, and the Jews at this time, they're just like. We don't play sports. <laughs> it's just, they, they're just so different in everything. Think of even how they think of spiritual things or religion, right? The Jews, like, we worship the one true God. He is good. He is noble. He is all powerful. He is the creator of all things. We're even careful how we speak his name, right? There are names of God. We won't, even, we won't even utter the actual name of him. Like just like, you know. And the Greeks, well, they had like a zillion gods, and they were all like two-year-olds with superpowers. And whenever they got together, it's just like always one toy short, and it caused a fight, right? Every time. And it's like, and so there's just so much that is so different about them. Rabbis didn't go into Decapolis, right? That is just another planet, but Jesus does. He goes over there. What's interesting is he goes to minister to this man. You know where he goes to find him? In a graveyard. Rabbis don't go to graveyards, right? Because you have to understand there were all the rabbis, uh, took it being ceremoniously clean that was such an important thing to them and you you know you're stumbling around a graveyard there's a there's a there's 20 things in there that would make you ceremoniously unclean and then you're spending days sometimes a week going through the ritual so that you can get back to teaching or being around people and say you don't hang out in graveyards but Jesus is like no I am because that's where the that's where the people, that's where the, the person that I came to minister to, they're there. But, you know, be at peace though. It's not like the whole story takes place in a graveyard. The other half of the, of the story takes place at a pig farm. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you think about the Jews and like, if there was, you know, anything unclean, right? You don't eat ham sandwiches. You don't have, you know, BLTs, right? And to hang out with pigs? It's like, there were no pig farms in Galilee or Jerusalem or like, no way. And yet here's Jesus and he's making his way into as foreign a land as there could be. And he heals this man. This man known as the demoniac that's just uh, like tortured and he heals this man. And uh, this man probably has never even met a rabbi in his life, probably didn't even understand what it was, but all he wants to do from this moment on, he just says, can I just go with you, Jesus? I just, wherever you go, wherever you came from, I just want to go with you, because his life's been so changed. Um, there's this beautiful uh, moment over in Mark 5. Look at uh, Mark 5 with me for a second. Um, so he asked Jesus if he, if he can like, can I, go, can I go with you? Can I go back with you? And here's how Jesus responds. Look at verse 19, it says, uh, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord uh, uh, has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. i that, I'd like, I want you to sp- like spread this. And verse 20, it says this. So the man went away and began to, to tell in the Decapolis, those 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed like all of a sudden in the in Decapolis like there's this thing that just starts spreading around about a Jewish messiah in a Greek culture but it's because like Jesus made his way over there, That's he traveled over there. And the takeaway on this is, you know, Jesus will include some of the most unlikely people. You know, when we think about better together, like Jesus, what we see from where he traveled, and what he did, he'll include some of the most unlikely people, won't he? Um, he goes to another uh, region after this. Um, he travels uh, up into an area we know as uh, Phoenicia up here. And it says that he went into this area of Tyree up there. And what you need to know about this area of, of uh, Phoenicia all up in here, this, is, this was filled with all of the descendants of some of the most ancient peoples uh, from this whole region. So like when you read in the Old Testament and it had like the Hittites and the Amorites and the termites and the Canaanites and all the different ites, right? That's this area, that that group, that culture settled into this area. And what you have to remember about this, this would hold uh, not just the most ancient people from this area, uh, but also hold the most ancient enemies of Israel in this region. Like uh, this area uh, still in the first century, they would have recognized there were people from Canaanite descent there. This was the oldest enemies of Israel, right? And Jesus goes to this area and begins ministering uh, to them. And they would have felt this. Like even the, even the disciples and followers of Jesus that are going to this area, they would have like felt uh, what this meant. Like uh, one of the uh, old, old stories that all of Jesus' disciples would have known and understood is back in the Old Testament. There's a story of a king, Ahab, who was the king of the northern uh, kingdom of Israel. After it had gone through a civil war, it was divided between the southern kingdom, Judah, and the northern king, kingdom, Israel. And Ahab was the king over the northern kingdom, and he completely walks away from God, just completely turns his back on God. He ends up marrying a Phoenician woman, uh, the Old Testament tells us, and her name is Jezebel. Well, what you have to know is the, like she was from a Phoenician and Canaanite background and they were such enemies. It wasn't just, we believe something different than you. Like, like might think about the Greeks and just go like, you're all the gods and it's just craziness. I don't even get it. It wasn't that. This was, uh, we, not only do we not like you, we want to eliminate uh, your culture your, your beliefs. This was the, like Israelites and Canaanites, like there's Old Testament stories how they wanted to eliminate each other completely. And so Jezebel, when she marries the King Ahab, she uses her position, she uses her influence to begin systematically assassinating and killing the prophets of Israel. Like they were enemies, right? And Jesus goes over there and there's this really tender moment where there's this woman who's not Jewish and she recognizes like Jesus, like, there's something really special about Jesus and she asked for this, for help. And, and everyone like in that moment would have just, it, no one would have been surprised if Jesus would have said, you know, mm, not today. But there's something precious about this woman recognizing who Jesus is and just appeals to the best of, of of, of what he might do, and, and Jesus then takes it as this beautiful moment of love to make sure everyone understands that this woman matters. And you know what's so cool about Jesus in doing this, traveling uh, to this region and doing this? It's this, you know, there's gonna be a moment when Jesus is gonna teach about love, right? Lots of moments actually, but there's gonna be a really famous moment that probably came a little while after this, maybe before, but but probably a little bit after. Uh, We know it is the Sermon on the Mount. And in this message, Jesus is going to teach about the supremacy of love. He is going to teach how love is so important, how it is central to faith in him, how it is the new way to live and relate to God and others. He will go so far as to say in this sermon, this love thing is so important, I want you to love your what enemies and here's what's so cool about Jesus. His words about love aren't just words, are they they're actions because he loved an enemy. when he goes as a rabbi into this area, he's not just talking about love he's doing it right And so there's this beautiful takeaway that you just see in this and, it, and it's this: Jesus lived what he taught. I love that about Jesus. He lived what he taught. It, wasn't, it was never just words. He lived it out. And you just see this thing over and over again with what Jesus says. Let, let me just point out a few more, uh, kind of quickly here. Um, there's a moment when Jesus will uh, travel uh, all the way over here to a place called Emmaus to minister to some disciples that were actually really struggling with like depression. Uh, in fact, the, the Greek word that they use in there, like this idea of like downtrodden or what we would think of as depression, because they didn't understand what was happening with the resurrection. He actually goes there after the resurrection, ministers to them. There's another time where he travels up here and he goes uh, it, through this area of Bethsaida and all the way up to Caesarea Philippi into this region. And time and time again in this area, uh, he, it's like he's vulnerable, and he seeks to teach him. And he just meets rejection after rejection after rejection. But you know what? That doesn't stop him. Like, like he's just—it's—he still cares about him. He's still gonna go over there. Um, he uh, actually ministers out through this area of Perea and beyond. It's where we see the story of him with the children. And think of the—in fact, Ryan's gonna talk about this more next week. This story of the of, the, of Jesus ministering to the children, and you just—you see the the heart of of Jesus in this thing. There's so much that we learn about better together. One last one here. Um, There's a moment where Jesus is, uh, and he went through this area several times, but, but it's very poignant. Remember when I talked about how in scripture it talks about how this is how they would travel and they would go up. The reason they would do that is because they didn't want to travel through the area of Samaria. Jews didn't travel through Samaria because they weren't just like ancient enemies of uh, the Jewish people like they were up in Phoenicia. They were like their modern day enemy. And and in a different way, the Jews shared part of their faith but it was different. And and the Jews looked at the Samaritan faith and said, "Okay, you use uh, some of our scripture, uh, they were part Jewish, but they had married into the Assyrians, uh, and so now like they were part Jewish, and they just felt like they are corrupting everything in this. They're, they're changing some subtle things about the belief. So it wasn't just you're my enemy and we just believe something different. It's that you're corrupting what we believe. You're watering it down. What Like, they would have felt that like what you're doing spiritually is like an abomination. We don't want to even walk on the land that you possess. Won't even do it. And then one day, Jesus is traveling down to Jerusalem and just when everyone thinks they're gonna you know, make a left turn and go down, Jesus sends some, of his own, um, sends some of his own disciples ahead and the text says, into Samaria. And I can't imagine what was going through their mind when Jesus says, okay, I want you to go on ahead. You know, he's ministering someplace. I want you to go on ahead and get things set up for the night and I want you to go into Samaria what, right? Because they mattered. And one of those stories, the Samaritans find out they're on their way to Jerusalem, which means they're Jews, and they're like, you're not welcome here. Because, right, the animosity is huge. And two of his closest disciples go, all right, you want us to, rain? You want us to call down fire from heaven, right? This is the moment. Right? right? Judgment should come, right? I get, we got to have a little patience and grace for those wacky Greeks over there. I get that we got to love, you know, our enemies, you know, up in Phoenicia. Okay, but the Samaritans, uh, that's, they're not just enemies. Like, they're an abomination. They have twisted and watered down and corrupted and just like, wait, like no quarter there, right, Jesus? And Jesus' immediate response in Scripture is he turns to his disciples and he rebukes them. It's like, no, no, because my grace, my love, knows no bounds, goes everywhere, right? And the takeaway from that one, friends, um, is this. And, and if you want to read the, the story of this, it, it's found in Luke chapter nine. And, the, and the, the woman at the well, that she was also a Samaritan. Um, But the takeaway is this. Sometimes where we see an abomination, Jesus sees someone he loves. And so when we think about better together, right, there's like, there's something there that we shouldn't miss about the travels of Jesus. And so as you think about the travels of Jesus, like it's so rich with all of these different things. I I, I wanna just, I, I wanna add a couple of takeaways this morning and just think about this next spring and how we wanna finish living out this idea of better together. Because I think this is really important for us at church. I, I love this theme this year, better together, right? It just there's not a time uh, that we don't need it more, that our culture doesn't need it. And, and I think it, it comes from a place uh, so knitted into what God has called us to be as a church and the values that God has given us and the mission we have before us. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna just a couple of takeaways here as you think about what Jesus did and how we wanna live out better together in the second half of this ministry season. And uh, the, the first takeaway is this, it, and it starts with better together is not a tight-knit circle, right? We, 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 you see that with Jesus rather Better Together is a series of bridges connecting people to Jesus and one another. Don't you just love you? I look at that map and I just think about all, every one of those lines is Jesus building a bridge and he's connecting people to himself, but he's connecting people to one another, right? Think about who he's dragging with him on every one of those lines, right? He's taking disciples, right? Like, they've never been in Decapolis, right? They're just, can you imagine the moment they're just like, we're going into a graveyard and what's that squealing? Those are, are those pigs? Jesus, are, is this okay, right? Is this allowed, right? Just, okay, yeah, that's okay, Whew, got past that. Okay, now let's go up to Tyree. Oh, great! You know, it's just like, just like, in Jesus, what are you doing? You're knocking stuff over in the temple, right? People get in trouble for this, like, it just. But in every one of those things, he's teaching them. We build bridges. We start connecting in all these different ways. Um, and so if we want to be better together, uh, we have to build bridges. I think about the history of this church. You know, we started, I think, somewhere uh, in 1963, Uh, and back then, there was nothing out here. In fact, this wasn't the first site of this church. Our first site was down at La Cholla and uh, Ina, and there was another church in town that was trying to look at maybe how they would expand or whatever, and there was a doctor out of Texas, Dr. Lott, who actually retired, came to Arizona and had joined that church and was just like, you know, I didn't come all the way from Texas where there was a a church on every corner to come out here uh, to just be around a bunch of other churches here. And he said, I came to Arizona because there were fewer churches. And he and some other leaders from that church looked at Northwest Tucson, and there was so little out here and said, and you know what, there's not only just little of, there's none of, and that's churches. And so he and some other leaders from that church said, "Let's go build a church." In fact, when they first started building casas, the, our original site at Ina and Lachoya, uh, Lachoya I think was still a dirt road, and Ina was like one lane. And there were people that just like, "What do you like? Why out there?" Because that's where it's needed. And it's like they they built a bridge uh, out there. And you know what? There was a family that lived on the other side of the Santa Cruz River, out in the middle of the nowhere, out in the Tule's, right? Um, and Ainul and Cholla was like one of the closest places uh, to where I lived. And as an eight-year-old, we were invited to go to this church. As an eight-year-old, I came to this church the very first time. It was like 75 people. I, I bet there wasn't even 100 people at that time when I first came to this church with my family. And someone built a bridge and I got to walk across it. And I love that about it. It's like it's in our DNA a little bit to say, we're not gonna be the church that's gonna make it all about us. We're not gonna be the church that just draws a tight little circle around us. We're gonna be the church that's building bridges. We've got a message about Jesus that is so beautiful. When we moved up on this site, we had our first service back in the fall of 1999. And um, there wasn't much out here back in 1999. In fact, when we... Uh, uh, had our first service here, I believe the neighborhood off to our east when we started building here. The neighborhood over here to our east was the only homes right around here. And that neighborhood wasn't even half finished over there. And there were just people were just like, you're just like out in the middle of nowhere. And it's just like, yeah, but there were no churches up here at that time. And we're like, we're gonna go like where we can connect and build a bridge in a beautiful way and now I just see all of these homes being built in all these neighborhoods and I am so glad that we moved up here, right? And I think about our future, and one of the things that we're learning, especially in this age and all the electronics and everything, is like you know we don't have to move again to go build another bridge. <laughs> it's way cheaper now. It's, it's great. We can build a bridge in all of these different ways. And I love even what's uh, happening now. I love the fact that we can build a bridge, and our building bridges like to refugees uh, in our city, in our community, and they're they're coming from a culture that is so different than ours. A Faith background that is so different than ours and yet there are people from this church they're building a bridge they're loving on those people and they're doing good things in their life and they're bringing the beauty and the hope of Jesus to them I think about uh, even what we've done here recently with like we've got a small group that's like come together and they built a, a bridge into flowing Wells uh, school where there are kids that had these bikes that were just broken or not working they couldn't afford new ones and they went over there and they just started fixing their bikes they're building a bridge and Jesus' love is going there. I love the fact that we're gonna, uh, our high schoolers are gonna get to go back and it's been years since they've, because of COVID and everything. And for the first time ever, we're gonna take some middle schoolers and we're gonna, we're gonna build a bridge back into Mexico and we're gonna build some homes there. I love that we've been able to take this campus and make it a connection point, right? That we have all these neighbors around us and these neighborhoods coming in and we do things like what we did with the fall festival. And, and instead of you know like uh, crowding uh, all the others out, that, that, we, that we're deliberate about creating things and events and series and things onto this campus that, that don't just say welcome because we've got a, a sign that says welcome, that you are living out You're welcome by your actions, by how we're inviting people to be on this campus that are our neighbors and we're trying to be a neighbor. right? So here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge to you personally in this. As we seek to live out better together over these next few months here, build a bridge. Build a bridge in some way, pray about it, look for it. How can you be a part of building a bridge that lives out better together? Uh, here and around it, what we're we're doing. Seek that out, because that's how we'll live this out. Second takeaway uh, here in all of this is this, better together isn't always easy, but it's worth it. It's always worth it, right? Again, I think back to all of those challenges Jesus had, all of those places where there was resistance or where it was uncomfortable or where it was hard, where he was rejected or whatever, but it was worth it, it was worth it. And it's worth it for us and it's worth it for you. There will be moments where maybe you're gonna build a bridge and it's gonna be an uncomfortable moment, right? There's gonna be someone who doesn't believe what you believe or seeing the world differently or whatever it is, but that's okay, that's okay. Build that bridge. There are moments where it, uh, where it can become un- uh, uncomfortable. But I see this in Jesus, to build a bridge, What you need is grace, like buckets and buckets and buckets of grace. I think of all the grace that Jesus had for all those people as he navigated those things. And so my challenge to you is, as you go to build those bridges, have grace, have grace, for the person that struggles to believe have grace for the person who is burned by churches just like and you just you just see them bristle with it have grace for the person who's maybe hurt you like like who's the person in your life that you're trying to build a bridge to but but they're like they're like from decapolis it's just like there's so much i don't understand that's okay Walk through a few graveyards, visit a pig farm, right? It's just, it's, it's okay. Go to a place that you just say, man, like, Jeff, they're kind of my enemies. Like there's this, that's okay. There might be like the kind of person you just say, surely not this. No, just take a step with buckets and buckets of grace and build those bridges and watch what happens because we are better together. And, and as we do this together, There's something so powerful about the way the power of Jesus Christ flows through us as a community that draws people to him. And what we end up experiencing in it is such a blessing. It fills our hearts with this kind of joy that can't come from anything in this world, but comes from Christ who is in us because we are together with him and one another. And if we do that, Um, this next season, we lean on grace and build those bridges. We are going to love where we sit uh, going into this summer. So I'm going to leave you with that challenge. Let me just say this. If you're a guest here this morning, it is so good to have you uh, here. Uh, this morning, And um, in fact, if you're a guest here this morning, I'm gonna be right over here off to the side. I'd love to just personally welcome you, shake your hand or, or fist bump you or welcome or wave or I, I'll take anything I can get, okay? I'm just glad uh, you're uh, here uh, uh, this morning. You really, really are welcome. Um, why don't we stand and uh, we can pray here uh, this morning. And, just, and let me just say this too, if you're here this morning and you'd love to have someone pray for you, you, there, there are some of the most lovely people, uh, good people that are over in our prayer place over there that would love to pray with you at any time. That is always available to you. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for the magnificent um, image of your son, Jesus Christ. And I say that because it's so inspiring to think about your son, Jesus Christ. And when we just look at his life, there's just something about him that is so inspiring. Something that we're drawn to. And I pray that as we come together, that part of being better together as a church called Casas is that we reflect your son, Jesus Christ, that we shine with his light. Because that's the thing that I know that all of us here, God, that that's in our hearts. That's what we long for. Help us to shine together with that light. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Gosh, have a great morning and we'll see you back next week.